All content on this channel is for informational and educational purposes only and should not be construed as professional financial advice. Should you need such advice, please consult a licensed financial or tax advisor. No guarantee is given regarding the accuracy of information on this channel. Okay, so we're talking about a, a stock that is not actually trading on any exchange right now because it has not yet IPO. Um, They're not going to IPO. <laughs> yeah. Well, this would be a really awkward um, podcast to make about a stock if they just change their minds and decide not to IPO. So, you're right. Um, but yeah, well, anyway. they're, they're doing the direct listing like Palantir. They're yes. Not, they're not going to do a traditional IPO. Exactly. So, as well, because they don't need our money. <laughs> no, they don't. they don't. We've got a lot of uh, crazy people, I think, lining up ready to, uh, to, to buy shares of the stocks. So what is the name yeah. of the company we're talking about today? Roblox, baby. My, my uh, six and eight-year-old's favorite online gaming platform. Now we've got to talk about this because my kids are not um, old enough to actually appreciate that yet. Um, uh. And I downloaded it on my iPad, um, ran around a little bit trying to like manipulate this little avatar blocky guy. You um, sound like an 80-year-old man right now, yep. Joe. And then I got like shot in the face a few times. And then I was like, uh, F this, I'm out. <laughs> and then you're, I, you're just you're just playing one of the 20 billion games. You're just playing the wrong one. That's yeah. all. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, and, and you know what? Like, here's the thing on my iPad. Um, I don't know if it's just because of whatever, but uh, like the user interface doesn't look that easy. It looks like a crappy version of YouTube. You know what I mean? Like, or yeah. like Craigslist built. A video game user interface. I think um, it mirrors a little bit of Minecraft in a lot of ways, which my kids have not yet gotten into, so I'm not as familiar with. But I've seen, you know, the, the avatar looks kind of blocky. Most of the games are kind of blocky in the same way. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I, I think it's uh, it's neat. I also created an account. Uh, I played a couple of games with my kids over the last week or so, um, and uh, I, I get it. I get it. It's fun. I understand why they're into it. Um, my older son picked it up during covid on lockdown and so he was, that was playing by himself during yeah he i mean i had never heard of it until he told me about it so okay. yeah he, he he picked it up because his friends were playing and he yes. wanted to play with them yes. we and like talk about kids, that later mm -hmm. kids don't do zoom and just chat over a glass of wine <laughs> you know what i mean like they want to they want to play games and and be interactive right. you know when i was when i was uh eight years old i was playing nintendo in my basement with my friends right mm. but like if that was during a pandemic, you'd be, you know, shit out of luck right now. You can kind of, you know, there is, there's a lot of different ways to, to do stuff together online. These games are really designed for kids. So it's, it, I mean, the COVID situation could not have been better for them in terms of like quickly growing in their key demographic. You know, I think if you look through, I love their S1, by the way, I don't know. I, it was like the most detailed and, and mm -hmm. well-written S1 I've read in a long time, but like, they do split up their demo and more than half of their users, uh, I think I had the actual chart. Yeah, more than half of their users are like younger than 20 years old. So like 30% or nine to 12 years old, 25% under nine. So more than 50% um, under 12 years old. Yeah. So that's that's the majority of their demo. They're, they're targeting kids. It's an easy platform to play. There's 
millions of games. Anyone can make a game too. Some of the kids make games. You know, my kid tried to make a game. It didn't exactly work out, but you know, there's, there's, there's more, you know, creative outlet in there than just playing a game or one game or two games. This is a platform where anyone can come on and build a game. Uh, and it's very social. So, you know, you talk to your friends, you trade stuff, you have an avatar, you can dress up your avatar. It all sounds kind of stupid, but you know, it's, it's no different than name a more well-adopted like Fortnite, where you can buy a new outfit mm-hmm. or buy a new gun skin, right? Like all this stuff is, you know, the, the economy there makes sense. Uh, and then once I saw the kids playing, you know, so Jonah picked it up during COVID. That was how he was keeping in touch with his friends. Mm-hmm. Caleb, you know, he's six, he's a little young for this, but you know, saw him playing and got into it and immediately figured out the platform and was playing around, was playing some new games and showing me some stuff. And I, I think the one we, we settled on is probably one of their most popular. It's called My Restaurant. Have you seen this one? No. You build a restaurant and you try to get more customers and you can get, you know, they, everything's built in probability. So like you have a 10% chance of getting a VIP and the VIP orders the most expensive meal. And like, so you just oh, try to goose your situation and you can buy items that increase the odds of certain outcomes and you can have more chairs but it's unlimited design you can design these floors of your restaurant however you want Mm -hmm. kitchens and stoves you need more cooks you need more chefs so it's it's kind of strategic um but you could obviously you know i I youtubed uh you know someone how to optimize the my restaurant yes of course you would have to (laughs) (laughs) of course and it's just like you fill all the space with plants and you create a direct route where the avatars are walking over each other to maximize the rub traffic it's like it's insane it makes no sense and like my kids would never understand that but like you know these are these are these are layman made games these aren't like studio produced games yet and for the most part but you know these are this would be fun and i watch my kid make a cool colored floor in his restaurant and you know design it it's kind of neat it's it's creative creative similar to minecraft so i i think it's an interesting ecosystem and again it's it's a platform play which is totally different than most of the video game studios and and game designers and game companies to date in that they make games and you can play them across other people's platforms whereas this is a platform itself with its own Mm -hmm. economy uh, which makes it interesting so that's that's uh you know that's roblox in a a nutshell I, i have played around with it and and really through my kids and and i have a lot of questions about how they're going to grow targeting you know specifically in that demographic right uh-huh. like uh, we can get into it but but uh, yeah history of it that's how i got there i've also played around with it decent feel for some of the games again they have almost infinite catalog uh but yeah it's not too hard my, my six-year-old can handle it just fine and he's uh you know he can log on play by himself he has other friends he talks to he plays a bunch of the games yeah it's it's uh you know, you, I would say, I would say, bought, uh, have you bought Robux? I mean, like the Robux, like when, so this is where it's interesting. This. So uh-huh. no, I'm not buying anything, but my kids, <laughs> my kids want this stuff, right? They're begging right. and begging. Their friends have this, their friends bought this avatar yeah. shirt and they want whatever. So, you know, my mom gave them for the holidays. They each got 10 bucks of Robux, right? It's always the grandparents, right? But that's what I'm thinking, right? That there's a, there's a good way to make money that way, especially when like, what gifts are you buying your kid right now? <laughs> like you need, you know, you, yeah. like there's nothing to do, right? Again, this is a moment in time. So like, yeah. I am very skeptical of their, you know, nine month revenue numbers during the pandemic, right? I, mm-hmm. I think that some of that's just wildly inflated, but it's not crazy to say, you know, most of the reason you don't target that demographic is they don't have disposable income. You're not going to get my eight-year-old to open up his checkbook and, you know, put a credit card in and, and like get some <laughs> Robux. Uh, but his parents might, and his grandparents have, and his aunts and uncles might, and you know, it's not, it's not zero. Um, mm-hmm. But I do think it's not 
not the best demographic to, to center on necessarily. And also there's a lot of risk with, you know, having kids on a, on an open platform like this, yeah. which we'll also get into, I'm sure. Uh, but yeah, I haven't bought Robux. Uh, my kids have received Robux and, and happily received Robux. Okay. That's interesting. So, I mean, one of the places, so there's so many places that we could go here. Um, yeah. But one of the things that I wanted to touch on was the, um, the, the I guess their money-making scheme. Um, and um, Sounds horrible when you say it that way, but yeah. <laughs> I mean, like every company has to have a money-making scheme, right? It sounds less bad when uh, yeah. you do it that way. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, but, but basically, as I understand it, there is um, a conversion uh, between uh, Roblox and US dollars, right? There is. And then you are able to purchase Roblox using um, your credit card or whatever. Mostly, I would think that like nearly 100% of their transactions are over credit card, right? Yeah, I I think so. Give or take. So you get like 10 bucks, they'll get you like 80 Robux. Okay, something like that. And then, but but I think what happens is that the conversions are weird in the reverse direction. So you could buy a certain amount of Robux, Robux for a certain amount of money. Um, but for you to, you, you can also like sell mm. your Robux for yes. cash, but whatever that conversion factor is, it's not as big, like the reverse factor, you don't get as much US dollars out. Yeah, because Robux is taking 30% of it. Do they take 30% off it? They don't take 30% off it on the way in. They take it on the way out. On the way out. On the way out. Yes. Oh my God. So they basically have like, so they basically, if I'm just imagining them, they're like this, not a massive black hole, but like a tiny black hole that's sucking in cash. Uh, I prefer the toll booth analogy. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) And then, um, but the cash like circulates inside that, like the quantum universe created by the black hole. And there is actually a toll um, to get it out back into U.S. dollars, so people would prefer to actually keep money circulating in that ecosystem in terms of Robux because you take a thirty percent hit just to convert reconvert it back to U.S. dollars. Um, and really, it was thirty. Per- I don't want to misquote it. I'm pretty sure I read that the conversion out of Robux uh, has a tax on it, thirty percent into into Robux. But I'm not. I I, I want to. I'm looking it up now. I want to be sure. Okay. Um, yeah, and I, I think that's um, like uh, that's 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 interesting because um, they they've basically created this um, other ecosystem, this currency ecosystem um, inside their game, where money is coming in in the form of robux, like U.S. dollars coming into the company, but that's um, like the company instead gives. Um, the users um, Robux, this, these digital goods, which they have an unlimited amount of, right? Like they can never run out of Robux. And it, there's no cost to creating another Robux, Robux because it's like just another like digital entry within their internal database. So basically you're just feeding them US dollars and then they'll create this like unitless cost Robux for you, which you can spend for experiences in their, um, their ecosystem, right? Like um, enhanced, um, uh, avatars or um, access to certain games, I'm guessing. And then on the other hand, um, the the other thing that's I think is beautiful about their business model is that um, it, they don't have that like that Pixar issue where Pixar always has to be a little bit paranoid 
about their next movie being a hit. And they have to do basically like doing hit after hit after hit after hit. And it's bad for Pixar to hit a string of 10 movies, let's say, that are all really bad because that could mean like the death of Pixar, for example. Um, so what I'm really trying to illustrate is that Pixar is very much um, uh, dependent upon creating a string of hits. Um, whereas Roblox, because as you mentioned, it's a platform, um, what they really have to do is just facilitate and um, support all of the people, all the users who decide to create games on their platform. Because every single game that Roblox offers for the users was actually just created by another user, right? And right. Um, there's a strong incentive already for um, users to develop games because you can make a lot of money. Like um, I'm hearing anecdotally that, you know, there's a 20 year old um, who is a full, now a full-time Roblox game developer. And she makes in two months, um, or like in a few months, she'll make like half a million and now has a team of 14 people just all developing games for the platform. And you hear stories like that as a kid and you're like, I want to be that, right? Yeah. So you try really hard to, you know, get to that level. Well, it says um, that in the S1. It says, you know, at the end of the, the, the CEO wrote, you know, 2011, uh, he's, you know, they had a, Robo a Roblox rally, I mm -hmm. guess. It's like their, their meetup. Um, he goes, you know, Roblox player to ask for our autographs today. Players are chasing Roblox creators for their autographs. Right? It's, it's, uh, <laughs> yes. You know, it's a, it's a, they're, they're celebrities. It's almost like a, a famous YouTuber. I think uh, yeah. a lot of these guys, yeah, it's, it's definitely cool. It's a whole employment ecosystem too. Yeah. There's 345,000 people who are developing, um, uh, or there are 345,000 people who are developing games for the platform and got paid. Yeah. And, um, it's Roblox in the S1 filing estimates that in 2021, they're going to pay out a quarter billion dollars to developers. That's what they're thinking is going to end up happening. Yeah, I think I saw in the S1, it says there's about a million developers and creators earned Robux on the uh -huh. platform, right? Yeah. Of which about a thousand of them, so, so not, <laughs> not a high number, about a thousand of them earned 10,000 or more. Uh, with about 250 developers earning 100,000 or more in Robux. Yeah, so it's like a oh, Okay, and that's where it says it. it. And it says it here. When users exchange Robux for money, Robux takes a 30% share of the transaction. Yeah. That's from the, S that's from the S1. Yeah. yeah. So that basically, you know, the interesting thing is that, um, you know, the Roblox is basically sucking in capital, like um, in, in terms of cash. And... Um, you know, giving people in exchange this like digital currency, and which doesn't cost them anything to make. There's no like cost of goods sold there, right? Well, right. I mean, yep. there's the, the backend infrastructure cost of creating Not much. The, the instance, but <clears throat> yeah. And then they, um, you know, they're trying to incentivize the um, keeping of that capital circulating throughout whatever their ecosystem is. Um, and I think Roblox has set it up so that they can make money on the initial intake of purchasing of the Roblox. And then they can make money whenever anybody tries to take the Roblox out of the system um, and convert to USD. Two-ended two tollbooth. And then there's also like, not only do people like spend Roblox within the system, um, but also developers can er earn the Roblox and then reinvest the Roblox into other right. tools that Roblox offers. So yeah. 
all the money is just incentivized to just keep circulating within there. Right. Well, and that, that raises to me the biggest, the biggest risk to the business is that whole ecosystem is contingent on the Apple store and the Google store. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. You can't, none of this works if you take that out. And, and I think, uh, I don't know if you followed the Fortnite saga. Um, I did a little bit. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, you've got, you've got an antitrust litigation. They punted Fortnite off the app store. You know, it's, it's, and, and I think they, they took a stance there too. I think Apple basically saying they're not going to, mm-hmm. you know, enable your own ecosystem like that. They're not going to prove cloud gaming apps or any kind of subscription service within the app that, uh, you know, that, that has its own currency. I think that yeah. that was a big issue. Uh, and yeah. that's Epic Games and Epic Games, you know, they're probably one of the biggest game makers I know of. I mean, it's Epic and Unity. Those are the two big, like, you know, players there. Unity also went public. I, I don't know what they, I don't know what their valuation was. I imagine it's going to be it's big. less, yeah. it's going to be less than Roblox's. Um, <laughs> but, mm-hmm. but still, I mean, that's, that's a huge risk to the business where, you know, if you take that out and you're banking on this ecosystem and all the influx of cash is coming through those platforms from people that, you know, essentially compete with you in a lot of ways, uh, that that's a big risk to me. Yeah. I, I think that's, that, that's one of the things that I'm actually, I agree with you. I, I I'm super worried about, I think the, you know, Apple and, um, the, uh, the Google stores, they, they have their take rate. It's something like 30%. So Roblox actually, you know, plays nicely with those those stores, um, which means that they basically pay up um, Apple and whoever um, to be able to sell their games um, or to sell Roblox um, on, on, through the stores. Yeah, but how long is how long is Apple or Google going to sit by the sidelines and let you know Roblox make you know so much more in their own ecosystem just with that little cut coming in for them? I don't know. I it, it's just yeah. there's 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 price risk there, like. Why 30%? They're going to tier it. And now it's 41%. It's like, goodbye. Yeah. Or, um, or like a percentage off of every transaction inside, exactly, which would even exactly. be crazier. Yeah. Yeah. And they could yeah. take it from the, from the other side also and say, look, when you, when you deconvert that, you can't do that outside of our platform. We want 30% of that too. Right. Now, now Roblox can't pay their developers or their creators or any of the other pieces. So right. it's just, it's, it's an ecosystem that's highly contingent on a couple other enabling technologies. And that, that worries me, especially because I do think, you know, uh, Apple for sure is getting into the gaming space aggressively. You know, I've been reading a lot of rumors about their coming VR products um, and, and Google too, obviously uh, in that space. So I, I don't know if you want to be, you know, if you're the, the supporting a competitor on your platform, um, you know, there, there's, there's something there. I also think, you know, and, and until the direct listing, there's, there's, I guess I'll save that for later. I think there's some interesting opportunities here that, that maybe, um, you know, aren't competitive that are more synergistic, but I'll save that for later. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. Now, Sorry. I didn't, I didn't go, want to derail you. No, that's, that's, that's great. Um, and I, you know, that, that risk, if, if I wanted to just invert it and say, okay, well, what could Roblox do or what are some things that we could say in Roblox's defense for that? Um, I think the, Biggest thing would be that um, there is actually a difference between um, uh, the the kind of um, effectiveness of an organization that is only focused on doing one thing, and that one thing is like their entire meaning and of their existence, um, versus a giant who dabbles in many things 
And this other thing, this specialized niche is only one part of their, their overall empire. And um, when Apple tries to kind of grow its empire by extending into these um, areas, these niche areas that um, aren't even really core to the Apple like ethos or the way it views the world, but it's just part of a growing, it's a, a little fiefdom that it kind of wants to bring within its empire. Whatever Apple bring, whatever resources Apple brings to the table might actually not be enough to like make it in that particular niche because there's so many subtle things that make a game or the context of the game um, so good. And you can only really achieve those things if like your only singular purpose as an organization is to provide um, yeah. such a no, seamless experience. I so think, I with, think with a degree of focus there that you're not going to see from, you know, yeah. a, a diversion for a bigger company. And, and that reminds me of stuff like, you know, Apple Fitness, right? Like Apple Fitness with the video or whatever they're trying to compete against a previous company that we talked about, like Peloton. Mm-hmm. And, you know, people say, okay, well, Peloton should be scared. And then, you know, when I look at it, I go, you know, the people who love Peloton really love Peloton. It's like a cult. And it's and this it's the only thing that they do, right? So they get really, really good at it. And some of the things that you have to do are very, very subtle, nuanced, really hard to capture. And you can only do it if that's the only real thing that you do day in, day out. And for whatever resources Apple can throw at the problem, they might not actually capture that kind of like lightning in a bottle um, when they're really thinking about just, you know, adding this piece as uh, another jewel in the, within their empire. Um, as opposed to that's the entire crown, right? Right. Yeah. And that, but that, that does lead to an interesting question about Roblox, right? Like right now, they intentionally or not, it's very focused on a young demographic. You're talking about kids that play kid games on this thing, right? Mm-hmm. You're not going to convert, at least not at this point, you're not going to get the guy playing Counter-Strike, you know, 24-year-old kid playing Counter-Strike to, to give that up to go play Roblox. I, I don't think. Maybe you would. Maybe, I don't know. Maybe there are games there that are exciting and interesting, but the vast majority of users here are, what was it, 55%? 54% of the users are 12 or younger. Mm-hmm. And another, you know, and only 14% are older than 25. So I, this leads me to a couple of things, right? One, at that demographic, um, you know, that's great in a lot of ways. Kids need a, a social sphere um, to hang out in virtually, right? Like I'd rather my kid play Roblox than the stupid Power Rangers app he downloaded that he thinks is like the greatest game ever, right? Because it's just mindless and those are gamified. They're, they're you know, uh, aggressively um, addictive, like on purpose. So I, I don't like that stuff. Roblox is, seems like a safer, more curated environment somewhat. But like with a kid's, if you, when you're dealing with kids, A, you have tons of regulations and risk. One fuck up and they're in deep shit, right? Like yeah. they don't encrypt their communications. I was watching, you know, and I know that because I looked into it after my kids were chatting with me in mm-hmm. Roblox. I was like, can anybody see this? And like, what can you say? Like, what could someone else say? Like you get one child predator on this app and there's one arrest and that platform is done, like right. donezo. And, and I don't think... I don't, again, they employ a pretty big force of people, I think, to, yeah. to protect the ecosystem. I, I know they know that that's a huge risk. But again, like if this was just a gaming platform for like 
young adults or something, it, it wouldn't it be as highlighted. And I, I think you could really hurt the brand, like one mistake, and it really, really hurts the brand. So that's, that's one thing that scares me. And another is from the S1, uh, they said here, we rely on a, sm a very small percentage of our total users for a significant majority of our revenue and bookings that we derive from the platform. So, you know, part of that scares me, like what happens when these kids grow up, right? Mm -hmm. you're, bank you're banking on the next generation of kids to be just as excited and spend just as aggressively to kind of replace that other cohort that kind of grows out of this platform. And, and that, you know, you're not banking on, you know, continued engagement and, and additional games and expansion and just retention of your uh, passionate fan base. You're, you kind of have to stay top relevant for a really long time for this to continue to work. Uh, when you limit to the demographic, again, maybe they, maybe the, the, obviously the plan is to grow and expand, but at the current moment that, that scares the hell out of me that it's such a, um, uh, you know, uh, area fraught with risk. One mistake can really sink you. You're very focused on that demographic. And there's, I, I don't see any reason to believe that demographic grows up and stays on this platform and it doesn't move to something different or more sophisticated. And those are those are great points. Let me let me think. Let me address each of those in turn, in terms of like mm, where it might not be um, how we think they are, right? Because I agree with you that those are risks. And now I'm just putting on my like optimistic hat and thinking, okay, what what possibly could we be? What other angle could you look at those um, risks from? Um, the first one, which is the safety thing. Um, you're right. Like with all of these kids, the uh, there's a strong responsibility um, and a lot of liability um, at risk here for Roblox, and they they do definitely recognize that. Like if you look at their um, costs, they spend um, between twenty nine to thirty eight percent of their expenses, so roughly a third of their expenses. Um, on the infrastructure and trust and safety um, part. Yeah, I saw that. It's a yeah. lot of people. And they have hired a lot of people to just monitor com communications and make sure that as much as possible, kids are safe. Or if somebody's being bullied, which might not be picked up by you know algorithms or whatever, um, the kids have a safe space to reach out to like, quote unquote, an adult. Um, hopefully mm -hmm. they would talk to their parents first, of course. But you know, beyond that, the platform itself has people available to help moderate. Yeah, and, I'll give you um, one more anecdote on that, just on the point, right? So my mm -hmm. kids' friends all play Roblox also. And one of them had their account hacked, right? Or whatever that means. And, mm -hmm. and I was asking my I was asking my kid, what what do you mean she had her account hacked? I said, Oh, they took over her account and then you know she had spent all this Robux on items and they gave those items away to other people. Oh no. That's I was so like, sad. okay, yeah, it's I mean it's it's sad, but like yeah. you know, when you realize they're talking about like flyable donkeys and stuff you're like okay i don't actually care <laughs> anyway but like it, the, the point is you know it, it there whether you're you can monitor things they can be the best moderated community for children on earth and still be subject to a mistake right yeah. it's not it's not yeah. impenetrable so yeah i agree with everything you said maybe they're the best in the world at it i still think it's such uh, uh it's it's such a non-zero risk no matter how many bodies you throw at it that it scares me because mm -hmm. I, I do think it's the kind of risk that says Look, if, if that, that, if that, if they, let's say, I mean, pick a problem. It doesn't even have to be the worst problem. Let's say, you know, it's not a, it's not a pedophile ring on, on Roblox, you know, predi you know, predatory on, on children, right? It could, it could just be like, 
someone scamming kids out of Robux. Mm-hmm. That, if that makes the news, I, I, as a parent, am very reluctant to let my six-year-old go on there and, and play around on my iPad, right? Like right. God knows what information gets. I mean, who knows how that stuff gets done? And, and like you sounded like you were explaining at the beginning of the podcast, like who knows what this thing is? And most parents aren't going to create an account and play around and get a sense of it. They're just going to say, no, it sounds risky and, and whatever. I'm, I don't want my kid on it. Right. And there are so many other places that kid can go. I think that that still scares me, regardless of how many resources you throw at this problem. Yeah, I mean, that's that's true. And the other thing I wanted to say about that was, you know, they, they do recognize it. They're spending money on it. You're right that, you know, even the best possible situation might not cover all things. And so that could end up becoming a headline risk or even worse, deter parents from even allowing their kids to, to play there. Right. Um, but, you know, like if we were going to be generous about it or, you know, we were going to play the analogy game, the same thing was actually said about Airbnb um, in the very early days, you know, when they were like knocking doors on like 50 VCs doors. And they were saying, oh, we've got this idea for this air bed and breakfast. And you could, you know, you know, rent unused space in your own house to these random strangers. And, you know, of course, these 50 VCs all said no all in a row to them. And the reason why it was because of the headline risk, the, you know, the murderer risk, the axe murderer risk that year, you're going to let some guy in your house who kills you or conversely, you end up killing somebody because you are the axe murderer yourself. (laughs) Um, and you know, uh, the, the, the biggest thing about that is the inability of those 50 VCs to see past that risk cost them a lot of money because now Airbnb is worth over a hundred billion dollars and they could have gotten out of the ground state. I still, I, I, that's a very charitable comparison. Uh, uh-huh. and I, I'm, I'm not disagreeing with you either, by the way, like this isn't an insurmountable risk. Yeah. But I do think people are sometimes almost irrationally uh, uh, different with children, with their, especially with their own children. Yeah. You want, you're, like you're, you're a 70 year old guy. You want to rent your house out. Like, yeah, there's some risk there. And maybe somebody comes and steals all your medication or kills you or whatever. But like you're taking a risk on for yourself when you're talking about what situations and environments you put your kids in. Everybody knows parents are insane. I, I'm insane about it with my kids. Right? right. So like one headline risk there, I still think even more so than an Airbnb where there has been a lot of headlines about crazy shit, right? Mm-hmm. Like I, I read, I read one once every couple months, I'll see a funny article. Oh, this guy's an ax murderer. Look at what, look at the pictures he left in his basement or, you know, this was a, a sex dungeon in Airbnb. And like <laughs> most of them are funny, yeah. but like there's obviously risk there and people know that, mm-hmm. um, but it's different because you're not necessarily subjecting your kid to something like your job as a parent is to protect your kid. And, right. and I know, you know, Roblox, trying their best, doing their best, everything. And, and I commend them for it. And like I said, they might be the best in the world, but because of the demographic here, it's not like a, you know, Xbox Live has plenty of 13 year olds on it, right? Mm-hmm. But the, the risk is different. It's not, it's not branded and marketed as a safe place for kids in the right. same way. So yeah, I, I, I agree with what you're saying. And I think it's, uh, maybe I'm being unfair about that point, but it, it does strike me as something that could be outsizedly dangerous for the brand. Right. And then the, okay, so now the second thing that you had mentioned, which was um, another risk, and it's, um, the, the risk is that they are, their main demographic is basically kids who are nine to 12 years old, right? Yeah. And, um, you know, if you look elsewhere in the S1 statement, um, they do say that the average, quote unquote, lifetime of a user is um, 24 months, so two years. Yeah. 
So, you know, those nine-year-olds are going to be on average 11-year-olds, the 12-year-olds will be 14-year-olds before they, I don't know, like start thinking about college or drop off or do whatever, right? Um, <clears throat> and that is a big risk because, as you said, they would have to try to recapture lost user base um, in the earlier, uh, in, the, in the upcoming generations. And they, they don't face the hit risk of, let's say, Pixar, who has to continually develop new um, content, um, hit content, but instead they have the other risk, which is the generational risk that's aging out every two years, right? Right. Exactly. Um, and I, I mean, if I were to try to just, you know, like not be so focused on the negatives and just be a little bit optimistic there, um, I'm just trying to think about where I would end up going with this. Um, the biggest thing I could think about is that the picture today is probably not where it will be in, let's say, five or 10 years. And what I mean about that is, you know, if I could take what Facebook, a snapshot of what Facebook was um, in, let's say, 2003 or 2004 when it first started, what was it? It was uh, a college's only social network that just had static pictures and the profile page for people. It was like literally the digital version of a the old paper Facebooks. And at first they only limited it to just Harvard students and they expanded it, but they only allowed college students to be on it. So literally if you read whatever S1 they had at that time, they would have said something like, oh, we have a lot of 18 to 22 year olds. And why? Because they only limited it to college people. And I, I don't know when it started to broaden out um, and I don't have a good track of all the demographics over the years. Now, you know, maybe all the 18, 22 year olds are on Instagram or Snapchat or in other things. Um, Facebook's just a bunch of old people, right? Um, so, but, but it did evolve and it evolved in surprising ways beyond just being a social graph. Um, it evolved into the messenger, so the communications app. Um, it evolved to like that Facebook marketplace so you could buy and mm -hmm. sell stuff. Um, and maybe all a lot of those things we wouldn't have been able to, in terms of the demographic shift and also the ways that they serve the needs of their um, users, um, were very, very difficult to predict standing with the, um, the original snapshot of the where the company was, let's say in 2004, and you know peering ahead into the unknowable future. And that's not just that kind of like mystical notion. I don't want to like just say, just apply it blindly to Roblox and say, here we go. There's an unknowable future and it's going to be fantastic, right? Right. Because that's, that's almost on faith rather than anything else. Um, but the, 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 the truth is, you know, you don't have to have faith in um, an optimistic future for them, but you should realize that um, there is a lot of optionality with a lot of these platform plays. And these businesses, sometimes um, history has shown, um, evolve into, um, in, in very surprising ways, um, ways that you wouldn't have anticipated before. And all you needed at the beginning was essentially a critical mass. And the question in my mind is, does Roblox have the critical mass so that of users and developers, are those ecosystems healthy enough as they are where I feel confident that they would continue to grow and 
that growth in itself creates a lot of optionalities that will take the company in very different directions. Yeah. That, that create a lot of um, unanticipated future outcomes. That could yeah, be good. I, I, I agree. And I, I, I'm being, uh, usually I open very optimistic and I work through all my pessimism somewhere in the middle of our podcast. <laughs> uh, I, start, I started more pessimistic. So um, let me go back. I, I mean, this is a great business. It's a perfect business model. That's for mm-hmm. sure. I love it. Even, even with the platform risk with Apple and Google and, you know, like any business, I mean, you, they host on web, on Amazon web services. So like you're, you're going to have AWS as a risk also there, but it, those don't really bother me that much. And I, I do think to your point, like this can grow in so many different ways at the end of the S1, or maybe not the end of end of one of the sections of the S1, they talk about growth strategies and, and they're talking about expanding the platform and you know, obviously scaling up in age. They, they recognize that as a down, as a, uh, you know, um, as an issue. Uh, geographical expansion, but then they talk about monetization. And this is interesting because it it obviously opens up your mind to all kinds of possibilities, similar to Peloton in a lot of ways also. Mm -hmm. To date, though we have not yet created meaningful monetization from marketing partnerships, each of Warner Brothers, Netflix, NFL, WWE, Marvel, and FC Barcelona have introduced branded content on our platform, right? That's Mm -hmm. interesting. And they've done live shows. They had a live like Lil Nas or something who I don't know because I'm a dinosaur, but they had someone come on and like do a live concert in Roblox. So like this can have, uh, you know, this whole metaverse, that's what they're really branding this as, is a metaverse. It, it has some of that effect there where you're like, oh, wow, this can be a lot of different things. It's not just an open source gaming community. Like this can, this can be other stuff too, where, you know, this is the place where those things happen. And, and that does become appealing to an older demographic for sure. If there's cool, interesting, unique branded content, like what if they released, you know, uh, one of the 8,000 Marvel series on Roblox and it was interactive. Like there are plenty of fans as adults that would create an account just to see that content. And that's stuff they haven't even tapped into yet. So that could be amazing. And so I don't, I don't want to just sound like I'm, I'm crapping on this business. I think it's an incredible <laughs> business. I think it's an incredible platform. Um, it's just in its current state, if you put the blinders on to all the optimism and you say for what it is right now, it, it, I, I have some concerns. I can get into those too. I mean, I don't know. What do you think about loyalty in this demographic? Like, does that even exist? Is there a moat around this business to your point about critical mass? Many companies reach critical mass and fail. So, I, and I'm not saying they're, you know, they're going to fail or go bankrupt or anything like that, but you know, this is a, I, I don't think this is a space you share. <laughs> I think you want to dominate as yeah. a as the platform for this yeah. stuff um and so you know i i don't know when you look at a, a situation like that um different to airbnb where you can have other players and it kind of enhances the whole this is a, a winner take all kind of situation I, I don't know when when your main demographic is is kids little kids they're not loyal to roblox i i asked jonah today before i got on the podcast i said look if all your friends were playing on you know uh, dough bucks. Like, would you go over there and play? And he's like, yeah, of course. I just want to go where my friends are. Right. And I was like, even if you spent money on your avatar and you had your own, like, you know, your own like records and this, and he's like, yeah, of course, if my friends were on the other one, that's where I would go. And, and that's exactly, it's that simple. There's no brand loyalty here. There's not a huge investment on the part of most players, uh, into their avatars and characters at this stage and at that age. Uh, and so you kind of need a lot of these things to play out in their favor over long periods of time for them to be the winner of that take all situation. Well, you know, 
I'll, I'll, I want to point out something interesting that you said in that. And it was in the story that you had with Jonah and you asked him, you know, dough blocks or whatever. Of course he'd go there. And the key part about that insight was that in my mind, the key part is that he was going to go, he was going to stick to wherever his friends are. Yeah. And I think what's happening in there is that, I, I mean, I think your criticism is that the, there is no stickiness in this thing, but I actually think that the fact that his friends are all on there is the stickiness. It's just like the way Facebook is the place rather than Dacebook or Gacebook or Wastebook right. is the place where people go. It's because everybody else is there. It's a self-reinforcing network effect. That's but they're what Jonah is telling you. But that they're, they're there until there's something better. And right. I think so that's, like, that's what the, I'm worried about. In there's the, same the way MySpace. Yeah, yeah, there was the MySpace where everybody was first. And then there was sure. Facebook. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And the question and, is, and, is this the Facebook or is this the MySpace? Right. Right. But <laughs> that's this, the hardest even, part. Yeah. And I know but I, if, I, if I knew the answer, this would be simple. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. But I think my concern is that unlike Facebook that evolved quickly and gave you additional reasons to stay engaged and you mm -hmm. had to check in, you had to see what your friends were doing. I, I think this is too easily there. There's just, there doesn't seem to be a big moat around the business. I agree. There is a critical mass and, and the COVID situation certainly gave them a turbo boost to get the critical mass that they needed. Uh, I can't think of a better company to have <laughs> during a lockdown pandemic than uh, as a social platform for kids, right? Mm -hmm. Or home from school. So like it's perfect, this really, right? yeah, just literally perfect, spot on. But just, you know, I, I think about it, like let's say like Facebook competitors, right? Facebook can buy up any competitor. Instagram's a potential competitor. They just bought them, right? Like they just, yeah. they, they have that kind of um, muscle. Mm -hmm. uh, Roblox has money, right? And, and maybe, maybe there's more of an acquisitive strategy. They talk about that a little bit in the S1 too, that they're planning to buy up um, you know, other technologies and companies. Uh, but, you know, there are a lot of other platforms that, that want to be this and, and just don't focus on this demographic or don't make it open source or whatever. But like, you're going to end up tangling with some pretty big players and, and maybe not play nicely. And I think of like, as you look at, you know, more immersive kinds of environments as a, you know, Oculus Quest owner for, for a while now, like, Mm -hmm. That's another ecosystem that that's very appealing to young adults, right? And and are you really going to go on your computer and play Roblox, or are you going to go put on your headset and go chat with your friends in VR, right? Mm -hmm. Like, there's always going to be something new, and and I think we're right at the cusp technologically of some pretty interesting stuff, and and big, and, you know, with with better technology and better bandwidth and better hardware and everything. I, I just, I don't know if the future X years from now is, is, is logging into an account and playing on your computer with your friends. I think that's going to look a lot like me in the basement playing Nintendo, right? Like, mm -hmm. like that's fun, but nostalgic. Like, I'm not sure that's where this is going. Uh, so like, even if all things are right, again, maybe they evolve into that and they evolve into something else that is more immersive and more, you know, maybe it's a partnership with Facebook and then they're able to do stuff in VR, right? I, I, I don't know. It doesn't, it doesn't preclude them from getting into other interesting things, but uh, I, I just, it doesn't seem to be enough stickiness other than the network effects that we kind of talked about with uh, Pinduoduo. Uh, other mm -hmm. than that, there doesn't seem to be enough of a moat around the business to keep the users as they get older and get into other more interesting and different content. Right. Now, 
okay, let's let's take a look at the um, I guess some other arguments to that, right? So um, if you think about YouTube, which in a weird way I actually consider that as analogous to what Roblox is doing, because YouTube it's, itself is just this blind platform that you just upload videos to and whatever. And there's an ecosystem of people who create all of YouTube's content. And some of them have become fabulously wealthy um, yeah. in the intervening 10 years since YouTube was created. And, you know, do we see YouTube weakening? Um, is there still an incentive? YouTube's or? different in so many important ways, but mainly in that there's no demographic limitation. Everybody watches content. Like right. they're, in video, they're in video. Yeah. I don't think any adult, frankly, and being one who is, I would consider myself a lifelong gamer, right? right? I play everything. I have no interest in logging back into that Roblox account. It's fun. With, I get without it. your I kids, right? Yeah, even with kid. my kids. Like yeah. I played a game with them for about three days. You know, we, <laughs> we, built, we built restaurants, you know, and, yeah, and yeah, checked yeah. out each other's restaurants. And, you know, I'm trying to game the system. I'm like going, going to the store. There's like a secondary store where you can buy and sell items that, you know, go become obsolete and then their price skyrockets. So I'm like, I'm teaching them how to trade pumpkins, whatever. Don't worry about it. Um, but like there, there's, it, it was fun to play a game with my kids, but that has nothing to do with Roblox. I can yeah. play any games with my kids, right? I, I just bought escape the room for my house to play with my kids. Right. I don't, I know if I want to, if that's the main impetus, it doesn't have to be this. It's great because that's where their interest is right now, but I think that's going to change. And, yeah. and I don't, I don't think you're going to capture the, the 18 and up market on here in any meaningful way where YouTube was already appealing to the AT and up market just by definition. Right. And you know, the, when it started in the 18 to 20 uh, market, let's say for YouTube, um, it did expand. Like there's a lot of people who watch YouTube now. I mean, you will have 60 year olds, 70 year olds, you'll have 12 year olds, eight year olds. But I mean, the like timelines you're talking olds. about correlate to general internet adoption. I mean, we're yeah. talking about it at, yeah. a, at a very different point in time. And we're talking about at the very, very early stages of the, the metaverse, right? So if you really think about the internet and what it's meant to us, you know, as we were growing up, it's basically a collection of 2D screens. You have the internet which is a 2D screen on your computer, you have it um, on your phone. It's a collection, it is a whole thing, even the video is a collection of 2D screens. And we experience the world in 3D. And I can see why there is this idea that, this dream that you know, maybe the internet, the way that we connect with each other doesn't have to be this very, in, in a sense, limited and artificial 2D way. Um, but we could evolve into like from the flatland into like the 3D universe, which is this metaverse. Um, and, you know, if we're at the very beginnings of that, if like hardware um, is beginning to enable that to become more of a reality. And if high the availability of high speed, like connectivity with bandwidth, um, lots of fast internet connections is just starting to make that available to people. You would think to yourself, like, is the metaverse a better version of the internet? Like if you had a choice to build the internet at the very beginning in a, in a 2D way, like with the flat screens that we have right now, 
Why limit it to the flat screen? Versus, yeah, this 3D space that you interact with that's always persistent, that you can enter and that you can interact with people and you can transport across vast distances at an instant and do everything and anything in it, right? Like, would you choose to make it the 2D way that we have it right now or would you choose to do it the 3D way, you know? You had well, you do it in, in VR immersively, yeah. wouldn't yeah. you? And I think like, so if we're at the very early stages of that, right? You, what we're doing right now is something very, very difficult, which is we are trying to, you know, see who might be potential winners in that space. And you're right. Um, if there's 100 entrants, maybe three will make it and then 97 will fail, right? And we're just trying to see whether or not um, Roblox is one of the, let's say, three out of the 100 that survive. Just like in 10 years ago, there was... I, if we probably look back in the internet history, there was probably a lot of little startups out there who were trying to pursue the dream of video, delivering video over the internet. And I, 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 don't, I can't even tell you the names of these guys because they probably, fizz, a lot of them probably fizzled out within like six months and, and we, like the names are lost to history, right? But there's two I know Netflix and YouTube right. deliver video experiences, high quality video experiences over the internet. Maybe there's more than that, right? But there's not a lot out of that field. And uh, you have to think like, what was it that allowed those people to survive that kind of harrowing, narrowing, that evolutionary destruction um, and left to only a few dominant players? And what lessons can we take from that um, into this space here, you know? And um, I think if, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm probably, you know, pessimistic about this, but if Roblox wants to become a major player in the nascent metaverse, they will have to solve that problem of broadening their appeal. They can't possibly just stick to nine and 12 year olds. Uh, you think it's ludicrous, to, you know, and I think it's ludicrous too. And as we stand right now, if you look at the snapshot of the company as it stands, the, the biggest challenge is that, you know, I'm in my late thirties and I can't possibly imagine myself like you logging into Roblox to do anything. I mean, I've tried it and it was a horrible experience for me. And I know that just means that I'm like a dinosaur and not with it, but that's like literally, I think what everybody else feels that would be close to that age, right? And, um, you know, can Roblox evolve in such a way where someone of my age demographic would eventually want to be on it? Like the way, let's say YouTube was only for 18 year olds. And then it evolved in such a way where you know, there's three-year-olds, four-year-olds watching baby tunes on YouTube. And there's like seven-year-olds watching, you know, Vietnamese movies on YouTube, right? Like it's for everybody now, whereas it was for a niche group before. And like the way right. Facebook expanded from just college students to pretty much everybody. And now like just a bunch of old people, right? Um, and can it do that? Um, and right now I can't see a way for a to do that, but the other half of my brain says, but what if it could, and you just can't see 
the top of the mountain from where you're standing right now, you know? Right. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's, that's so well summarized. I don't even want to, I don't want to add or take away anything that you said. Uh, that's exactly right. If I saw a path where, you know, you could easily expand that demographic to people like me or, or even older or whatever, just, you know, kind of outside of that 13 year old and below range, uh, this would be really cool. I think there's all kinds of opportunities, but then again, uh, just because I can't see it doesn't mean they don't see it. and doesn't mean that the developers aren't now being incentivized to create games for older demographics. Right. Yep. And with it, like, you could just, it's, it's not an insolvable, an unsolvable problem, right? Like yep. they, you could just incentivize everyone the right way and motivate the team of developer. They're all, you know, part of that ecosystem. Yeah. They all want to make money. You know, yeah, they, they all want to money. get users. Yeah. And, and if you say, look, the, these users are worth more to us at Roblox than these users, then guess what they're going to make? They'll make games for those users that are worth more to the platform. And you can incentivize that by paying them more, by, you know, currency from these games targeting an adult demographic will, will tra you know, transfer at a higher percentage to your cash account. Like, okay, like, guess where I'm going to spend all my time? I, I don't know. It's, yeah, it's, not, exactly. it's not, it's not, it's not like yeah. there are so many creative people in the world and, and God knows they have, you know, thousands of them making games, uh, you know, regularly. I just think it's not impossible. Like you summarized it perfectly. So I have nothing to change on what you said. I, I don't know. Uh, if I did know, it'd be a much, frankly, much shorter and much less interesting conversation. But <laughs> yeah. I, I think, I, I think I look at, I look around at, at the, look at the competition for a metaverse. Maybe that's the right way to look at it. If you mm -hmm. think the metaverse is the end state, that yeah. a fully immersive, three-dimensional, possibly virtual reality level environment, where you have an avatar that's consistent and persistent, and it's a way to socialize and be with your friends. I don't know if they dominate that space across all demographics. Like, I, like I said, I'm playing around. It's on the hard to list. say. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like I would, if I'm a betting man, my money's on Facebook. And I right. don't think Facebook sits on the sidelines and lets Roblox develop all this content and engaging stuff. I and don't frankly, think so either. Yeah. Roblox right. is a, is a young company, right? Yeah. They've only been around what they founded in 04 formally. Like, Mm -hmm. You know, it's not, they haven't been around that long, right? And, and, and they don't have the, the game experience that some of these other game studios and developers have that make, you know, professional quality, I'll call it games versus my restaurant, which somebody thought up and spun out there. And it's great. The dynamic is good. It works. It's functional. But like, there's no comparison to, to you know, Call of Duty. I, that's the game I played in college incessantly or like, mm -hmm. you know, um, I don't know any of these games like the quality you can't even compare it right it, it's it's and and even if they up the graphics and the quality of, of the development and they build in you know they incentivize all these things that they want they're still competing with like the best in the industry who work for other platforms that that you don't have to develop on Roblox you can build Fortnite and and sell it across any platform right so right. it's just it, it's a little tricky to me that you're going to get and retain the best talent in there, that that's the best way to make money. Uh, and that these other platform plays for a metaverse are, are going to sit on the sidelines while that happens. It just doesn't, doesn't seem viable to me. Yeah. Those are, those are interesting points. I, I mean, I haven't, I haven't dug into Facebook very, very deeply, but from what I know and from what I've kind of absorbed, um, I think Mark Zuckerberg, um, you know, despite my, you know, other thoughts about Facebook as kind of this um, destabilizing monster of politics. Um, he's, he's a pretty savvy guy. I mean, he bought um, Instagram at what seemed like a ridiculous price. 
paid a few billion steal. for it. And then now I look at back at it and I was like, oh, that was a steal. And then he bought WhatsApp, which was just a yeah. chat messenger at, for like a billion or so. And I was like, that's a lot of money to pay for a chat app. I mean, if you give me like 12 months, I could probably code up a chat <laughs> app for you too. <laughs> Yeah. And give me a billion dollars. And then he, he, and you know, you look back on it and you realize, oh man, yeah, actually that was actually a good deal. And then, yeah. um, and then uh, you, 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 I remember when he, they, he bought Oculus and I don't think it was at a billion dollars or maybe it was, but, um, and he had that, um, the CEO, Palmer Lucky, you know, working inside Facebook for a while. And uh, um, I thought that was kind of, um, a crazy leap and unrelated to anything Facebook was doing. So I just was like, uh, I don't, I can't even begin to like wrap my head around why this is strategic or close to strategic to you guys. But, you know, now that I'm kind of thinking a little bit more about the metaverse, I think um, I'm beginning to understand where the Zuck was, was, was looking at that time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, if you, if you had one of these things, like I, I play, look, I, I got it. It was a toy for about three months, right? Oh, there's a new game. I'll try this. I let my kids play on it. Right. And, and, you know, I, uh, it was a novelty. I, now you've got a couple of games that like I play regularly with friends and that's where we hang out now. Really? Like we go, yeah, there's yeah. a, there's a game. I mean, this is a huge sidebar, but there's a game, um, big box games created a game called population one. I don't know if you've heard of this. No, it's basically VR Fortnite. Um, oh, interesting. And it's it's multiplayer. So like I'll go on, I'll play with my brother or my cousin, one of my cousins, there <laughs> I have two of them on the platform. And we'll just, you know, I'll get a text message like, hey, let's get a squad together. You play in groups of three. Uh, <laughs> I've been doing that basically every night for like the last three weeks. It's That's awesome. awesome. It's it's yeah. super fun. And it's it, like to me, comparing that experience where I'm in VR, I'm live chatting my friends, and we see, you know, again, we have avatars. This is metaverse, it's just in VR. Mm-hmm. The content, the quality of that game, which I'm sure took years to develop and has gone through several iterations. And again, like everything else, it, there's no comparison to anything Roblox can put out that would draw me out of that universe. And, and again, with Facebook's deep pockets behind it, like I just can't imagine that they're going to get, you know, they're going to get uh, sideswiped by Roblox on the way out to, to owning this space. I just think it's going to be tough. Yeah, I mean, I think, what Mark Zuckerberg's greatest fear is, is that he spent all this time and energy from 2010 to let's say 2020, basically mapping out the entire social graph of billions of people, right? And he did this in the 2D space of the internet. But if the metaverse comes, there's gonna be a whole new social graph that's in the metaverse. And he wants, he's, his biggest fear in life is that his entire creation will crumble. He will not control the social graph within the 3D metaverse. Right. And he needs to make that leap. And he's trying to do that via um, the infrastructure, the hardware first. So that way he has kind of like the Apple hardware lock in to control the entire ecosystem. Um, that Apple st- like basically got the high ground on him on and that he never was able to control um, yeah. in, the, in the 2d world. Right. I mean, I, I think he's a genius. I, I think this was, that was a genius move. Um, yeah. And all the more so because it's Facebook, like that's a turnoff for a lot of people on Oculus. They, they don't like that. It's owned by Facebook. They wish it, you know, they, the privacy and everything else. 
But at the end of the day, it's owned by Facebook and you're going to use it <laughs> and it's, and it's fun. And that's where you want to be. And yeah. I even think about like my kids, like, okay, here's another, another uh, piece of scuttlebutt, right? Like I'm playing this, this shooter game, this population one game. And like, you know, for the most part, it's a wide range demographically. I mean, I, I'm, I hang out with a guy on there who's like 65 years old and like he's a lifetime smoker. He sounds horrible. So like you can tell that guy's, you know, older. He's an adult. A lot of guys I'll play. I'll be like, oh, where are you from? Like these guys are 45 years old or whatever. Like it's, it's fun. After Christmas, every, every, every second or third user was a, was a little kid. And little kid being, call it 14 or younger. You know, this mm. is Roblox world. They're on here. They're playing Population One. They're having the time of their lives. Like, I don't think they go back to something like Roblox once you know enough of their friends have a headset where they can play Population One together, right? Which is the same concept of Fortnite when they all were you know playing on their parents' phones or whatever, right? I, I think I think my point is you get to a level of maturity um, where you know you kind of want more out of your games than what I think Roblox can offer right now. And, mm-hmm. and again, in your crystal ball of the future. Maybe that's different. Maybe there's different engagement methods, right? Like there's more live content maybe in Roblox. Maybe they do more of these partnerships and there's live content that you can only experience through the Roblox platform. But again, I just, I don't see Facebook sitting by and letting that happen. And, and it's not just Facebook. There are others in that space too that are, that are pushing hard in VR right now. Right. So it, it, it's, it's, uh, yeah, it's a race. I, 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 it's a it's race. A race. Yeah. It's a race. It's yeah. a foot race and they need to, the, the, the thing about it is that, you know, what, what I liked about Pinduoduo is whatever the executive team was, um, they were really good at growing fast. I mean, they were, they were probably the best in the, I've ever seen in the world um, at growth hacking. Um, and the only one who I think might be even better than Pinduoduo at growth hacking is Facebook and Mark Zuckerberg, <laughs> right? Yeah. And... Um, he did it like he 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 won like the foot race towards you know building the largest social graph that could possibly ever exist um he won that completely dominated it and yep. now he's in another foot race and this time it is in this nascent space that like most people aren't even like thinking about but he's already kind of um eyeing it and and thinking about it pretty hard and, Dude, um, I'm telling you, once you when you when you dig into Facebook, I'd love mm-hmm. to hear uh, once you look at the financial. Yeah, actually, like, we, we, look, we look might need to do that. that yeah. <laughs> we we <laughs> I mean, might need to do that for the next session. Yeah, for the next. I, I would not yeah. be surprised yeah. if you saw spend on the Oculus being a, a fairly large line item for them. <laughs> like just people buying games. The games are not cheap, man. Thirty yeah. bucks, thirty bucks a game. Yeah. Uh, yeah. With in-app purchases for other stuff, like like it's. Look, he's not dabbling. I, I think he knows where this is going. And and to be honest, if I'm betting on one of these horses, Facebook has a ton more experience, a lot more depth, and they they know what you want, frankly, before you do. Uh, yeah. And I, I just think they're going to do a better job tailoring the experience and the content. And and that's really the key thing for Roblox. Can they come out with more tailored content and better content and, and make it a, a really immersive and high quality experience. And it's not uh, even right, them. Right now, it's their developers. Yeah. Can their developers do that? Right. right. And it's, it's basically yeah. open source. I mean, they're basically saying you guys, you know, we'll, we'll pay you, you know, figure out how to do that for us. It's not necessarily um, going to drive. That's not necessarily, it'll drive the widest variety of stuff, which mm-hmm. is something to say in and of itself. That's kind of cool that there's a game for everything. But not necessarily the highest quality, right? Um, yeah. 
and and I, I don't know. I I, uh, I I would be suspect if you told me that you're going to find better games or a better experience on Roblox than you would find on a Facebook sponsored Oculus product. Yeah, I mean, I think that the the hardest part about Roblox is that they have a good ecosystem, and the big the big win for them would be basically becoming a, a huge player in the metaverse, right? And when I say the metaverse, I don't even really know if there's going to be one metaverse or maybe multiple metaverses, just like the way um, there were two or three big winners in streaming video, right? So Netflix is a big winner. Now Disney Plus is coming up and is going to be a big winner. Um, and HBO, um, yeah. Yeah, HBO has like Hulu. a smaller fiefdom. Hulu is pretty big. And then there's also Amazon Prime Video, which is another one. Mm-hmm. So there's there's actually multiple big players in the video space, Netflix being the most dominant out of all of them, but it doesn't exclude the ability of other little fiefdoms to exist. And maybe the whole metaverse thing is not going to be a single persistent metaverse that we all share, like the way the internet is a single internet that we share, but has its own little fiefdoms, right? Um, Maybe the metaverse is a bunch of like little fiefdoms there's like the Roblox fiefdom, there's the Oculus fiefdom, and then there's whatever else, Minecraft fiefdom, right? And maybe you can port your avatar from let's say a Roblox avatar into the Oculus world. And within the Oculus world, there's infinite worlds. And within the Roblox worlds, there's infinite worlds. So there's infinite worlds within infinite worlds where there's a persistent avatar that's you know moving you across all of those things. Just like right now, like if I think about my Gmail address, I use it to log in to so many fiefdoms. Like, you know, that automatic sign-on thing, like I could use my Gmail address to log into my New York Times account fiefdom, and I could use it to automatically log into um, like some of my, um, you know, uh, uh, other content sites, like more I don't, I don't, I don't think I can use it for banking because Plaid does that, but, but you know what I'm talking about? Like you, that Gmail identity is being used as a uh, login to teleport myself from like one area of content into the other. Um, And just like, you know, so, but that requires some sort of infrastructure on the 2d internet for you to be able to take that identity and then port it into a lot of different experiences like the New York times or the Netflix experience or the Facebook experience on the 2D world. But what if the metaverse is actually kind of like that, but it's just this avatar that persists across a lot of different fiefdoms and then you can leave the Roblox one and then go into the, um, the Oculus one. Um, you know, what if it's not like a winner take all situation? Like if, if that's the case, yeah. Um, yeah. If that's the end state that it's, it's a lot of these different ecosystems that you can kind of pop in and pop out of. I think Roblox is dead. Mm-hmm. Why do you think so? Because they're going to be locked into that demographic. There's no reason for anyone older than 13 to to go into Roblox. And again, at this point, right? Maybe they right. come up with some totally different right. game scheme or, or game engagement mechanics that are different. But you know, you you give a 16 year old the option of putting a VR headset in and, and going to play, you know, online Fortnite or pop one or whatever you want to play versus go, go play around in Roblox. Uh, where are your friends? They're, they're not going to be in Ro- They're not going to be in Roblox. Right. Not, not like this. Huh. So, I mean, if, if it is a winner take all thing, 
basically then it's a foot race, which means that Roblox needs to grow very, very fast. And it would need to outrun, let's say a competitor like Facebook who knows how to run very fast. And, and Roblox is, has been running very, very fast. So don't, don't take that away from them. It's done yeah. an incredible job. Yeah, they have. But if you think about it, they, their, their growth hack is a single trick, right? And the single trick is that for, for their growth hack is the viral, the, a dual loop virality. And what I mean by that is that on, in one loop, what you have is basically the developer ecosystem. They, Roblox takes care and like nurtures developers. And then in turn, the developers make awesome games. And the awesome games draw in a daily user. And those daily users now I'm entering this other loop, bring in their friends and family. Like literally, that's exactly what happened to you, right? Because your your one kid did it and he he got in because of friends. And he actually brought family in, which is namely you, but you didn't last that long. And, <laughs> and, and, and then, but basically the more daily users there are, then that means that the developers have more opportunities to make more awesome games and then more daily users brings in more of the other daily. And so this, I'm basically describing a dual, a dual viral loop. That's what they do. And they've done a great job and the pandemic has uh, helped their numbers a lot. But it's a basically, it's not an active growth hack. They, it's, it, the system itself is what's providing the growth, which is good. But it's not like Pinduoduo level good, where they're actively um, and aggressively growth hacking their way to more users. Um, or it's not even like the way Facebook was um, using, you know, basically mental psychology, like mental jujitsu against you to like force you to growth hack them for them even more and more, right? Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I think Roblox, if you think about their traditional sales and marketing spend, they don't spend a lot of money on their, um, on advertising either. So I think they're just very, very, very reliant on this um, dual virality loop to grow. And um, if the metaverse is really about winning a foot race, even, as good as Roblox is, uh, I, I would hate to like bet on them versus someone like a Facebook. And if it is not a winner take all situation, if multiple metaverses connected by a persistent identity is the end state, um, your, your, your belief that maybe Roblox would still be locked into the nine to 12 year old things, um, I don't actually believe that they'll always be nine to 12 year olds. I think the, the, the developer ecosystem is just gonna, if you give them a long enough time, they'll always try to evolve and um, adapt the games to draw in a wider variety of people um, in, across a lot of different ages. Um, so I think that nine to 12 group will actually naturally expand. Um, whether or not it captures like the 30-year-olds into the, their, their particular metaverse or the 50-year-olds, I don't think they would. Like, it's hard for me to imagine that they would. Um, but uh, like, I, I, don't, I can't imagine like being on an official, like, you know how we use Zoom to do like quote unquote official business now, right? right. Mm -hmm. um, including school, right? So like, like Harvard uses Zoom, like, can you imagine? Um, and uh, now, now, like, I can't imagine going to Harvard over Roblox. 
but maybe it's like the poverty of my imagination that's limiting me from like um from thinking about doing that right like imagine if like there was a harvard version of like roblox in rope in the roblox metaverse and like students from around the world who are admitted to harvard can just log into their roblox avatar and then get a live lecture from a professor and do whatever assignments that they have in this persistent universe right i mean did you did you see ready player one i have not but i've like you know i understand the concept and um i've read something similar in um neil stevenson's um snow crash book which talks about a, a metaverse so yeah i mean i, I think well what's the other movie uh wally do you see wally yeah, uh, it's yeah. a little different than wally but um yeah, I always make fun of my kids when they're like in the Oculus and they're just sitting on the couch and like, <laughs> uh, they look like they're in Wally. But um, the I just I I, it, I still don't see the future of you're logging in, sitting down in a chair and logging in on your computer. I I think it's I think we're past that. I think you're putting on some kind of you know haptic suit and, and a VR headset or, or maybe their contact lenses or maybe it's I don't know maybe it's just a button you push on your neural implant uh, you know but you're, you're going into a fully immersive virtual space it's it's not 3d on your screen right I, I, I don't right. think that's you're the right. end state yeah and so, so it would have to be like an oculus style experience yeah and, it, and if that's the case right then Facebook has a massive head start over they Roblox do. because they have the hardware um, they have the hardware. They have the Roblox. hardware, and they have this. Mm -hmm. They have the social ecosystem too. I mean, when yeah. you log on, you got to create an account, yeah. right? Like, uh, you have an avatar, you have an account, you have your payment information, all the important stuff. Right. Uh, and and like that's you know they, that you can track and follow your friends online in in the Oculus world. Yeah. Uh, and and it's just uh, they're, they're playing. You know, in a lot of ways, Roblox is a pioneer in this metaverse, but they're also playing catch up. I think in what the end state of what this will be, or what right. it's going to look like in the future. Right, right, but again, right. and I, maybe I'm limited also by what I've seen. Maybe there's stuff I haven't even seen yet. Uh, yeah. But to me, if, if you're saying that, like, you know, when you're envisioning this wild future of attending a virtual university, which in reality, my kids did for nine months this year, right? right? Um, you know, that, that world, if it is better or on par with a, a real world experience, it needs to be VR mm -hmm. at, at, or at minimum augmented reality. And again, Roblox would be playing from behind there, I think. Right. Okay. So um, just talking about the mechanics of the direct listing. Um, yeah. The, as I understand it, um, they're planning to do the direct listing in February. So February 2021, like a few weeks from now. And um, they've already raised um, about half a billion dollars, 500 something million in a private financing round. Um, Series H, you heard one of those? <laughs> no, no. Uh, maybe SpaceX is at, at uh, Series H. And that's very similar to what they did, what Palantir did with the direct listing. Um, mm -hmm. the, the, the series, I think the last funding round was done at $45 per share, which represents um, a $29.5 billion market cap. Yeah. And, um, you know, if you're thinking about their growth metrics, the revenue is like basically doubled during from 2019 to 2020. Um, and then you, they have strong numbers of active users and lots of engagement, lots of kids love using this. And, um, you know, one, one other thing that we kind of didn't comment about 
earlier that I do want to touch upon now in their financials is that um, their they you the their accounting for revenues is weird. Like if yeah, I, I saw that. If I were going to do this, I would actually ignore the revenue number and I would look instead at bookings. Now, like to get into the finer points of gap accounting. <laughs> so just a disclaimer for everybody who, for the zero listeners who don't want to hear about <laughs> gap accounting. Um, so, so why don't you just ask me if I want to listen to yeah. you talk about gap <laughs> do, you want, do you want to talk about the finer points of deferrals, <laughs> of revenue deferrals? Uh, uh, <laughs> anyways. <laughs> So, so the, the revenues aren't actually their revenues in my mind. I mean, it's like this synthetic thing that they created. Um, basically, you know, the, the issue is that when you buy Robux, you give the money right away. And you would think that that would be the revenue. But actually, right. Gap says, no, it is not your revenue. Why? Because even though they gave you the Robux in exchange for the US dollars that you gave to the company, um, you that Robux isn't considered the final sale. So gap accounting does not does not allow you to um, call that um, a revenue. Just like if my business was, let's say, wedding photography, um, and I took money from a customer for to do photography for a wedding six months away, technically gap accounting wouldn't allow me to count that money coming into me. Um, as revenue, because I have not actually performed the service yet. So I would take that money, I would hold it six months later, once I take the pictures at the wedding, process the images, send it to the client, and they've accepted it, then that at that point, that's when gap accounting allows me to count that as revenue. Now for the Roblox situation, when they give you Robux in, in, in exchange for cash, uh, they technically haven't closed the deal with you because you have not used those Robux dollars. I mean, those Robux, basically. And until a user spends Robux um, in exchange for experience, um, experiences or modifications for their avatars um, in the platform, Gap does not allow um, a Robux to um, count that as revenue. Now, the problem is also that I don't think uh, Robux has developed sophisticated enough um, tracking systems to like finally count every single Robux as it's spent. And so it would have like a, an updated ver uh, accounting system that counts to the millisecond um, how much of the Robux that was bought um, has been spent on experiences. So the pro what they do is they, um, they take uh, the money that has been come in, uh, that's, that's come in for uh, buying Robux. And they basically um, pretend that that money is being continuously spent over the average lifetime of their users. They call their average lifetime of the users something like 23 to 24 months. So they basically are depreciating or booking as revenue on a straight line basis, um, one twenty-fourths of the money um, every month, right? Or three twenty-fourths or one eighth of the money that they get, um, that they collect um, every month because they're pretending that this average user um, is using that much Robux on this, um, this linear basis, which is a complete fictional accounting. Like you act, like some people 
will hoard their Robux and not spend it for the next five years, right? And then some people will just buy the Robux and then like spend it all the next day, right? <laughs> but on average, it was like, you know, a few months. Uh, and so um, their revenues are this like crazy fictional thing. Um, the bookings are probably the better thing to look at for them. Um, the bookings represent um, basically how much has money has come into the company as a result of people buying Robux. Um, and that bookings is also net of whatever the take rate is from the Apple store and also credit card charges or credit card fees. Um, and so it kind of it, it is a pretty, it's a be much better number than this like weird revenue number that they have. Um, so anyway, that is the, my, the finer, what I've noticed and that's the finer points of gap accounting. Yeah, I, I noticed that too. It is it is interesting how they have to do that, uh, basically amortizing that spend over the course of the average uh, average user life. Uh, I, I don't know. I, does that help them or hurt them? You think it does, it it actually helps them because yeah. if you really think about what's happening here, um, they get their money up front before they need to um, do anything to service that uh, the deal. Um, which means that their free cash flow generation is very, very powerful. And that actually means that if you get money up front from users before they actually spend it, um, if you grow 50% um, in terms of the number of users, uh, you don't have to front the cost of supporting the infrastructure to help that 50% growth and then hope that the money comes in later. Um, you already have the money and you can spend it right away on growth. And um, you know the accounting will catch up later, but you already hold the money and you won't have any liquidity problems um, or incur a lot of borrowing costs to try to grow your infrastructure um, uh, if you have massive amounts of growth. So that uh, getting the money up front really helps you in your financials if you're a high growth company. Um, and they have that like super weird structure where they get all their money up front um, and they can spend it right away on, you know, getting more servers and getting more infrastructure or doing whatever they need to, rather than being reliant on debt markets or whatever to um, create their liquidity. So their free cash flow generation is huge. Yeah, they have, I think they're making something like um, 450 million in free cash flow annualized for 2019. And um, that's compared against, let's say, their $30 billion market cap as of the the last financing round. Um, yeah, so the um, I guess you know, <laughs> in 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 the in the future metaverse of um, of the uh, or, or basically in the future, if once they IPO, uh, the question is going to end up being, would you feel comfortable investing in this company? So, do you want to take that one, or do you want me to start? Yeah, I would say I would say based on everything I've said, no. Um, I, I like the business. I think it's, uh, you know, the mechanics of it, the toll booth of it, the, the demographic that they have is a very valuable demographic. Uh, they, even though, um, you know, they don't spend in the same way and everything else, it is the younger demographic that I think a lot of brands are trying to capture. So it does become an interesting place for brands and, and influencers and artists to target, right? So th there's some appeal there with that demographic, but you know, the valuation is, is wild, right? I was talking about, uh, what was I, what would, um, 
you you said they had a uh, valuation of twenty nine and a half billion. I mean, compare that to to Unity. I just looked up. Right, they went public last year, thirteen point seven billion. So you know, more than double um, Unity software, which makes a lot of very very well known games that can be played on any platform. Mm-hmm. Uh, it just you know, I I you asked me about the longevity of this, right? So let's talk about. Hard, hardest thing to do, look 10 years down the road and, and tell me who's still around and, and who's doing well, who's thriving. Um, yeah, I don't see it. I mean, if you had told me six months ago that I could be an owner of, of uh, you know, you could have gotten me in as a employee and I could have stock options, I'd be super excited about the about about someone acquiring my business, right? A la Facebook buys Roblox. That makes so much sense to me. That actually um, would make sense, yeah. It would make a lot of sense. And that, that was the, the one nugget I was kind of holding on to uh, that I was hinting at at the beginning. Like mm-hmm. an acquisition like that makes this very exciting. Uh, yeah. But that's not that's not going to happen at this point. Uh, you know, a direct it would list, be hard. You, yeah. it'd be it very be hard. hard. Um, yeah. So barring that outcome, it's really not that exciting for me as a standalone metaverse play platform. I, I think they're going to just get outcompeted in so many different ways by so many better and more established players in the demographic they're trying to grow into. That, yeah, look, maybe they grow and, and maybe the growth comes by, by geography, right? They expand globally and they get so many more kids on this platform. And they do an incredible job of maintaining a safe space and keeping people in touch and virtual. And they, they've built this metaverse for kids and that's fantastic. But like, there's a really clear limit to that, uh, that platform. I'm not that excited about that platform. It's the, the version where they own the metaverse. And that's where you go to interact with your friends, no matter how old you are or what kind of game you play. I don't think they end up owning that space, not, not in the way it's currently built. So uh, for those reasons, I'm out. Uh, but I do, there, there could be scenarios as, as small a percentage, you know, less than 1% chance that they're a possible acquisition target where I would be thrilled. I would be thrilled if I was a Facebook owner and they bought Roblox, I would be thrilled um, you know, if I was a Roblox shareholder uh, and, and the company was kind of, you know, majority taken over or something, all right? The way they do the direct listing, the CEO still owns 80% of the other class shares, right? Something like that, 70%. Yeah, I, I haven't looked at the structure for, for this thing. Um, I, I thought there was just class A shares, but I'm not, which is the one that um, the founders yeah, Right, the founder. Um, okay. But I think yeah. um, they're listing class A shares, so I don't think that there's um, a dual class structure in here. But I don't know if it's a second class, but I'm pretty sure that the CEO retains. Um, I have to. I have to look at it. it. They are trading the class A shares, but I think there's another designation of share for the CEO where you know he. he like, there's no voting rights. There's no like oh, okay. like you're you know there's not it's not it's not. Uh, it's not a straight percentage of company. It's a different cut. I don't remember exactly, but yeah, like I said, it's 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 less than one percent chance that they could be acquired in a traditional sense, which would make it much more interesting for me. Barring that, I, I'm actually not that interested. Okay, um, you know, this is one is very hard. Um, I think that there are a lot of dangers in this company, um, and we didn't even talk about how. I think it's going to be virtually impossible for them to grow in a significant way outside of, let's say, um, Europe and the US. Um, I, I mean, I'm talking specifically about China. I don't think China will really allow them to. Um, well, did you see the, the uh, you know, they have a, um, what was it? We didn't even talk about this. Uh, they, last year, they had a JV 
with, yes, um, with, with Tencent. Tennyson, yeah. with Tencent. Yeah. yeah. And they call it like Yuliao or something like that, or Douliao. Yeah. I'm not sure. Lu, Lubu. Yeah. 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 You, you, maybe, maybe you can maybe pronounce I'll it better than me. Maybe I'm saying it wrong. Yeah. <laughs> Lubu. Uh, yeah. yeah. But, but yeah, but I, and, and Tencent is big in China, you know, you kind of need like their approval or one of the big guys approval um, in order for you to make some headway in China. So it's good that they have that there, but I just, I'm skeptical that the government would allow a lot of people to, you know, congregate on a platform and talk a lot. They can talk about anything. Talk about anything. Well, there would be moderation. So I, I'm just, I, I'm skeptical about their growth in China, basically, and um, which is a huge market. And I think that, um, you know, there are some really interesting features about their, um, the way that their accounting works, such that I, I feel confident that they can grow quickly and support that growth without having to go to like debt markets. I like the, the virality, um, the dual virality loop that they have with their content ecosystem. Um, and then also with the way um, they have friends basically inviting other friends. Um, and then they, they spend a lot of time together and they like playing games as a way of gathering, which is basically what any successful company in the metaverse um, will probably have to do. Um, and they're doing it and they have a head start doing it. The other thing that um, I think I, I, so I'm just kind of like listing through the, some random thoughts in here. The other thing that, that I kind of like about them is actually their founders. They're, um, you know, a long time ago when I um, started thinking about Amazon, um, one of the things I really liked about Amazon was that I read um, Jeff Bezos' shareholder letters and you just get this like sense of the man. And one of the things that I really appreciated about him was that his, his shareholder letters were just, were not about bullshit. It was very plain. It was very direct. And he laid out this long-term vision for where he saw Amazon going to. And you knew he had a vision of the future um, and that he was thinking not about the next quarter, but about the next decade. And then you just had a sense about the guy. And um, I, I, one of the things that I like about the founders of Roblox is I think that they also have a long-term vision. Now, having a long-term vision doesn't mean you're automatically going to be successful, but I like having it in, in, in the, the, the company, um, the management of the company. I mean, if you read the S1 filing, they say they've been thinking about building the metaverse since 1986. I was like a toddler at that point, right? They've been thinking about building the metaverse since then. And they've been waiting this entire time because hardware and bandwidth and internet connectivity that would not like even make a, a working metaverse even close to being reality. And now finally in the 2020s, you know, they, they finally getting close to the cusp of it. And they're basically, you know, um, chomping at the bit for, for this stuff to be able to happen because they've been thinking about it for a long time. And, you know, if I, I read part of the filing, it says, from the founders. We built Roblox from the start as a single platform, a single name, a single focus company that would someday support billions of users. And the ultimate product specification was to always model reality based on the belief that the more accurately we could simulate the real world, the more utility we could provide. 
And looking forward, we intend, we intend to maintain this focus as a single platform company, even as we expand the ways in which we enable people around the world to play, learn, and work together. Notice that they use the words play, learn, and work. We are only seeing a slice of it today as a static image. It's basically the play part. And like of the play, it's even just a fraction of the play part. Because as you noted, you know, serious gamers like a Counter-Strike person, right, would never find themselves playing Roblox with the nine, 12 year olds. You know? um, so of the play portion, we're only finding that one slice. But they talk about play, learn, and work. And then they, you know, they also talk about like this really long-term view of technology and how communication started with simple stuff like sound and then included stuff like mail, the telegraph, the radio, the television, and then finally video communication. Um, and uh, you just get this sense that they're really thinking about advancements in technology over the long term. And they're talk, thinking about how humanity will, and the way that they can that it communicates will naturally evolve and that the metaverse is the end state and they've been thinking about this for a very long time so the biggest thing that worries me about this is that if you look at them at the static image of where they are today um, it's very easy to feel constrained um, by what you see today and by the seeming impossibilities of branching out to where they they could go um but you know the counterweight to that is these guys have been thinking about this for a long time and they do have a vision about where they want to be headed and it doesn't mean that they get there but i think that's what they're trying to do um so for me I think what my game plan for this would be is that I do want to buy Robux, Roblox, not Robux, but Roblox, the company. <laughs> I think you get a better return yeah. on yeah. the Roblox shares <laughs> than you do on Roblox. I do want to buy, I, I buy them, but the question is always like, at what price? And, um, you know, if you're, you're just thinking about what's going to happen with the direct listing, and I kind of think about what happened to Palantir. Um, Palantir did a direct listing and then the shares floated down like a lot. I think they were down like something like 33%. Maybe I'm wrong. Um, I would, I would, I would like to see the, 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 um, the direct listing. Let's say if they opened at 45, because that's what the last funding round was. And then there's like an opening day pop that gets in you into like 50s or 60s just because people are trading it. And, um, you know, in the direct listing, you get people who have been investors in the company for a long time um, and employees, they get to sell right away. It's not like a traditional IPO where there's like a six month lockup or whatever. These guys get, if they want liquidity, they can sell right away. So I think that's actually like the dynamics that um, affected Palantir's direct listing where they were down um, post their, um, you know, early days of IPO. So my game plan would be if Roblox were to, um, you know, do the direct listing it's planned in February, 
that I would like to see their, um, their share price drop down below 45. So like maybe in the 30 range or below that, depending on how much selling pressure there is. And also actually like what would benefit me is more pe pessimism here, right? Like if the more people who really like strongly have the, the view that this is gonna only be for nine to 12 year olds, um, um, actually like the better would be because then you know they would they would probably have more selling pressure here if you take the variant view that yes it is today for nine to 12 year olds but in the long run it, there's a small probability that it might not be um, and if you kind of ignore if you're willing to ignore the serious existential risk that there are bigger fish in this ocean scarier fish like Facebook run by Mark Zuckerberg that could like literally swallow you whole or destroy you or stomp on you, right? Um, I, 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 I can kind of see like this small but improbable chance at daylight that they would be worth um, a lot more in the future than they could be today. How much more? I can't even really tell you. Like I can't even begin to tell you. It would be like me sitting in 2010, looking at the first 10,000 users of YouTube and being able to tell you what their revenues inside Google are today. Like it's, that's really right. hard, right? Um, but I'm willing to take a flyer on this one if I can get a good price at the IPO. Um, and, uh, but you know, 30 billion market cap for what it is in the static image right now, prices in a lot of, um, I guess, future optimism about what they're headed. And um, I'm not sure. Yeah, I'm not super sure. I, I can kind of see a way where maybe it could work out. So that, like that kind of variant perception, um, actually is like sometimes like the best opportunities because um, if it's obvious to everybody that it's going to be bad, um, and not only do you take the variant view that actually it might be good, but then more importantly, you are actually correct that it could be good, right? Um, that's, that's really where like the excess returns, um, come from. It's very black swan, anti-fragile of you. Yeah. <laughs> because, because on the whole, most people with most of their sensibilities are right most of the time. Like that's, that's just the truth of common sense. And most people aren't rich. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's, that's also true. So, so you gotta, you gotta, you, sometimes you gotta be um, willing to make bets in the dark. And I think that um, there's enough uncertainty here where it could convince a lot of people that this thing is not gonna work out. And if that does happen, I'd be willing to um, step in and, and backstop that share price at even 30 range. Yeah. That would so mid, mid 30s is your buy point, 35 yeah. or so? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Okay. But yeah. if it doesn't, if it doesn't dip, you're not buying? Let's assume no. IPO is at 40. Yeah. It'll, in this in this current market environment, it'll, it'll, it'll probably, be trading at 100. Yeah. It'll be like 150. <laughs> and I'd be like, oh, God, I hate myself. I'm never going to buy this company. Well, let's say, let's, let's go through some scenarios. Let's say it IPO, it, it direct lists at 45 yeah. and it hovers. Let's say it hovers 41, 48. Uh, and which would be odd, by the way. I also think it's going to explode, just like mm -hmm. everything else recently. But uh, let's say it's hovering. Are you are you not buying at forty five? You'd wait till like at that level when you're talking about. Uh, yeah, you know what you I know, mean. Like I'm if, just wondering if it where it hovers you're... for like a week. I might just take a small position, like not right. just like just a nibble, 
like even like a nibble mm-hmm. of a nibble just to get myself to like pay attention. That's literally life. exactly what I did with Airbnb. Yeah, yeah it's the same thing. It's <laughs> <laughs> literally what I did. It was like, I, I want to, I want to follow it. I want to track it. I want it to be on my radar. I took yeah. the smallest of small nibbles. I, yeah. I don't think it was fairly priced. I, you know, I wasn't trying to, you know, accumulate a huge position and, and, and move my portfolio, but track it. Right. Yeah. And if I see more buying opportunities, I'll take them. Exactly. Um, but I didn't love it at the price, but I love the company right. here. Here's a little different for me than it is for you, obviously. Um, I don't love the company. Uh, right. I, I, I like I mean, I, I do actually. And I also love the founders. I, I think that's a great point, too. They're just really passionate, driven, committed people to this space. They're not like, you know, uh, an, an MBA that came out and was like, this is a good idea for a business. Yeah. Um, yeah no, and I like and I like they're not like like get rich quick type guys they've been yeah, and they're playing a about, long game yeah, yeah 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 they're playing a long game where in the end you know you're gonna have partnerships with schools or you're gonna have like all this branded stuff like there's just there's a lot here for sure and to your point i do think it is a low probability event that they come out as a major player five years from now or whatever when we're talking about commonplace metaverse stuff mm-hmm. but it's not zero Right. And, and, and yeah, there's a good zero. story to tell here with the right people and the right team. And they do have critical mass in a lot of places where maybe it does happen. And I wouldn't mind, you know, spending a little bit of money on a lottery ticket that could pay off huge. Right. That'd be a great company to own if all of those things shake out and you're not going to spend, you know, you're not going to spend your whole bank roll on the company to take a little bit of a flyer. So, yeah, yeah I mean, at the right price, sure. I'm interested in it. I, I like the business. It's not a, it's not a bad business. Um, but again, you know, it would have to it would have to be below the current valuation, and I just don't see almost that. That to me is less likely than than them being the major player in five years, right? Like just the way the IPO market is, they're going to be yeah, I think 100, 150 pretty quickly. Yeah, and I mean, I remember I, I what sometimes what I do is I just go back and I look at companies that in hindsight did very well, and then I I, I look at their um, S one documents, right? So like. Microsoft 1986, like reading their S1, like just this tiny company, like that had so much risk and IBM was like a huge concentration for like their revenue source. And, um, you know, the, the, if you listen to the interviews of the CEO, his kind of idea was to have a computer in every desk. And it's kind of wild, like, cause at that time in 1986, there weren't, there weren't actually like a lot of computers and you couldn't imagine like outside of a whole bunch of like nerdy little applications, like the fact that a computer would end up becoming a big part of our daily lives, right? And that it would be in every home and not just in every home, but in in like sometimes multiple rooms in your home um, and also in every office and every desk in every office, right? Yeah. Like that's just wild amounts of growth and there's so much opportunity in that. And I think we're at the cusp today of, something very, very similar. It, I mean, the metaverse seems to me, and I might be completely wrong on this, but like, I think it seems to me like the natural evolution of where computing should go. It kind of just makes a lot of sense. And yeah. if, if it's hard standing where we are today to see a world where you know everybody can live in and participate in a metaverse for significant amounts of time and do significant amounts of learning and work transactions, um, and social interactions in this metaverse. Um, science fiction has showed us, you know, images of those things, but nobody seriously believes that. Um, uh, a few people seriously be- can envision that it, it would be something that could happen to us outside of science fiction. But it does 
seems to make a lot of sense. And I don't actually know if Roblox is gonna be the big winner in that space or what the end state being of that thing. And maybe Facebook is actually like the big winner. But yeah, yeah. I'm, um, what I do really like, kind of like the thin thread that I really am clinging on here is that the two founders of Roblox have been thinking about this for a very, very long time. And this is like pretty much the only thing that they do. And sometimes that's just enough to like give you mm. that little bit of an edge where the improbable is less probable than you think. I mean, it's actually right. more probable than you think, right? Right. right. So um, yeah, that's where I'm at. I guess we'll okay. have to wait and see. Yeah, uh, we'll when, see. When, you got to make sure, by the way, uh, you got to ping me before this before the direct listings so we can talk about it I'd, yeah. I'd love to kind of watch it watch it happen together in real time yeah 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 so when the correct listing comes we will come in and revisit this uh, uh this roblox thing based on what the price action is all right well uh have a have a good evening and I'll, uh... more, always a pleasure okay. this is uh this is this is a lot of fun yeah, uh, yeah. Hope, maybe next time we talk we should do like a, a recap right i don't know what episode this is how many have we done uh, Eight, I think six. This is six. This is number six. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe, maybe just five. a where, where are they now? Right. Yeah. <laughs> just, just a quick, quick look at how we're, how the ones we're doing. Have, we've only agreed on a couple, but I think it'd be good to look at the, the whole stock. Yeah. Um, you know, in some, in some cases, um, I've been seriously wrong to wait. Um, for example, I, I mean, you, 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 I think you went to Airbnb and you bought it. And I, and yeah. that, that's been up since, since, since you bought it. Yes. And I, and I have not. Um, well, but you knew you knew that was going to happen. I think yeah. you said that on the podcast. <laughs> yeah, pretty sure it's going to go up. But um, you said uh, you don't you don't mind paying. I think your exact words were you don't mind paying a little bit of a premium to wait and see some of those numbers come through. So exactly. Uh, yes. Yeah, that's I'm fine. Um, I, then, I, I, I'm not that patient. Uh, <laughs> and then I, I remember, I think on the um, Palantir um, episode, it was trading um, at maybe 10, 15 at the time that we did it. And then um, I said, eh, I'll wait until it's under 10. And then I think it's like, it, it went up yesterday and it's now in the 36 range. So yeah. that was, um, I shouldn't have waited. I should have just bought the position, but you know, uh, what could you do? <laughs> I think, I'm, yeah. I think I, I, I'm a value investor at heart. So it's hard for me to, 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 to pay up for a lot of things. Especially in these, yeah, this market is very hard to, to to be a true uh, by by the book definition value investor, right? <laughs> historical value investor. It, it, it has been the probably one of the hardest seasons for 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 one of those traditional value investors. You have to understand that growth is value, um, but you also but price also matters. So you're always caught between um, the two things. Um, yeah, yeah. So, all right. Well, good talk. Thanks, Gil. This is great, man. Catch you later. I'll talk to you. I'll see you on Roblox. <laughs> yes. Bye. Yeah.